Alrighty, I'm going to carry on with the Lazarus uh, theme because I actually had a vision while I was away. I was in Kalgoorlie last weekend, for those of you who wonder where I was, and uh, I was helping out with Jen Von Blankensee, who is um, Dave and Jenna run Glory Revolution from Melbourne, and they'll be coming and hanging out with us at retreat on the 17th and the 19th of November down in Busselton. Please mark the dates in your diaries. We're going to have an awesome weekend that weekend. And uh, they're going to come and just hang out with us and have some fun. But I thought I was just going away for a nice relaxing weekend, which was not the case. Um, I actually got put to work and we had an awesome time just sharing and sharing about heaven and breaking open some stuff. But I was, as I was there, I um, actually had this vision of um, <coughs> Lazarus coming forth out of his tomb. And I was like, well, that's, that's an interesting vision to have. But the Lord started to talk to me. Um, and I, if you've got your Bible, so I just want you to turn with your, me to John chapter 11. Because we're going to read it. John chapter... There's no movement at all. Have you not even got your phones today? <laughs> You just get distracted and end up on Facebook, don't you? Okay. <laughs> um, let's, let's read. So you heard from the story that Philip told that um, Mary and Martha and Lazarus were brothers and sisters and uh, they were very close friends of Jesus and they knew him very well and they would hang out with him quite often. And uh, so he fell sick and he died and they buried him and... Um, Jesus, you know, you would have thought it was only a two-hour walk from where Jesus was to, to Lazarus, but he didn't come. And it's like, well, why, why didn't he come a bit earlier? You know, he could have just healed him. He'd been healing the sick, you know, opening blind eyes, doing all those things. But at, at that point, he hadn't raised anybody from the dead. And, uh, and it's like the disciples said to him in verse 12, he said, Lord, if he sleeps, he will get well. However, Jesus spoke of his death, but that they thought he was speaking about taking rest and sleep. Then Jesus said to them plainly, Lazarus dead, and I'm glad for your sakes that I was not there, that you may believe. Nevertheless, let us go to him. And then verse 17 says, So when Jesus came, he found that he had already been in the tomb four days. Now Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles away, and many of the Jews had joined the woman around Mary and Martha to comfort them concerning their brother. Now you've got to understand the culture of the time. When they say comfort them, they meant they were wailing. They were making a hullabaloo. They were wailing and crying and sackcloth and ashes and they were going on and on and they would have been making a lot of noise. And uh, so Martha, as soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, went and met him, but Mary was sitting in the house. So Mary actually was a bit hosed off with Jesus. Why didn't you come? And uh, now Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now I know that whatever you ask of God, God will give you. And Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. And Martha said, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection of the last day. And Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. And whoever lives and he believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? And she said to him, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God who is to come into the world. And when they said those things... Um, let's flip over because it goes a while. Um, he said, Jesus actually wept. So he was actually quite moved by the whole scenario. You've know, you got the wailing and the groaning and everybody upset and Mary and Martha in tears going, why didn't you come earlier? 
You know, we sometimes don't do that, don't we? We've got all this stuff happening and go, Jesus, why aren't you showing up? You know, because he sounds, feels like he often leaves things to the very last minute before he does things. And Mary and Martha must have felt this way, that they were like, why isn't Jesus showing up? And, uh, and then it, right at the end he says, he goes and he, say, and he says to them, all right, roll away the stone. And they went, well, he's going to stink. And they said, do you believe? He said, do you believe? And then he says, he says in verse... Let's go from verse, he starts to pray. Father, I thank you that you have heard me, verse 42. And I know that you'll always hear me, but because of the people who are standing by, I said this, that they may believe that you have sent me. Now, when he had said these things, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. And he who had died came out, bound hand and foot with grave clothes, and his face was wrapped with a cloth. And Jesus said to them, loose him and let him go. And what I wanted to share this morning is that I really feel like God is saying to us, Lazarus, come forth. He's saying to us, come out. You know, Jesus has conquered the grave. Jesus, if you know him, then you've asked him into your life and he is the resurrection and the life. And so he has taken death. He's taken the sting of death. He's taken sickness and pain and, you know, sin and all those things from us. But I feel like the Lord was saying, you know what? Often people are still walking, walking around in the tomb. Jesus is a resurrection and life. We've been given new life. We're a new creation in him, but we're still walking around in the tomb. Or if we've come out, we're still walking around with our grave clothes on, stinking. Yeah? We're still smelling like the grave because we haven't come forth. And I really felt like the Holy Spirit was saying, tell my people to come forth. Because you're hanging around in the tomb still. And the tomb is what? Dead. What is the tomb? What does your tomb represent to you? That's your old life. It's your old life. It's your past. It's your failures. It's your disappointments. That's the tomb. And we're still hanging around. And if you've stepped out of the tomb, you might be still walking around, but you've got your grave clothes on, those stuff of what you used to feel like. You know, and Isaiah 61 actually says in verse 10, it says, I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall be joyful, O my God, for he has clothed me with grave clothes. He's clothed me with my filthy rags. He's clothed me in my disappointments and sickness and failure. No. He says, for he has clothed me with garments of salvation. He has covered me with a robe of righteousness. Which clothes have you got on? Have you got your filthy rags on? Have you got your past failures and your disappointments on? Have you got your sin on? Or are you holding on to and you are you holding on to those things? Or are you going, Lord, I re- I just unwrap those things. Just like Isabella, she unwrapped them. I mean, why are we walking around like that? Why do we get up on a Monday morning and dress in those? When Jesus says, I have made you a new creation, old things are past, behold, all things have become new. And I have clothed you with garments of salvation, that you are healed, that you are set free, that you are delivered from every evil, that you are set free from pain and sickness and lack. That's what clothed in garments of salvation is. And we walk around and we can walk around in lack. It's like a garment that we can put on. 
And the longer you've had it in the family, the more you're likely to try and walk around in it. So we can walk around with that mindset and that belief of lack in us. We can walk around with the mindset of sickness and disease. Well, everybody else had it, so I'll just clothe myself with that. My great aunt Bertie died of this, and my mum and dad had this, so I'm going to clothe myself in that. We can walk around with the failures of, a, of what we had before, or, you know, yesterday, and we can clothe ourselves in that. We can clothe ourselves in anger and bitterness and strife, or resentment or disappointment. What are we clothing ourselves in? Because Jesus said, I have come to give you fullness and abundant life. And I have given you the garment of salvation. So what are you wearing those grave clothes for? And I really feel like God's saying, tell my people to come out of the tomb, to shed themselves fully and once and for all of their grave clothes and stop walking around in them because I have clothed them with garments of salvation. Your salvation, our salvation is an amazing thing. It's what Jade said, he's given us everything. And then he says, I've covered you with a robe of righteousness as a bridegroom decks himself with ornaments. You know, the Middle East, they really go to town. You know, they have the, the, the garments that are sparkling with gold thread all through them and baubles and everything. Even the guys all got, you know, they get their turbans on and they, you know, we're just a little bit stayed probably. But, you know, <laughs> you know but, we, but they dressed up and the, and the bride, she, it says, she would cover her sows with jewels. I kind of like that idea. As the garnered and causes the things that are sown to spring forth, so the Lord God will cause righteousness and praise to spring forth before all the nations. That's Isaiah 61. That's actually Jesus prophesied in Luke 4, verse 18. It's the scripture that talks about that I am anointed to preach good news to the poor. And if you read the rest of that passage, that's the passage is that he has clothed us with garments of salvation. And righteousness. The question is, what are you clothing yourselves in? What are you wearing? Because if you keep on wearing stuff of the world, you're going to get the stuff of the world. Whereas you clothe yourselves with who you are and who God says we are, that's what God wants us to look like. You know, Philip said the Bible is not meant to be a you should do this, you should do that, and be a book that beats us up. The Bible is a what? reflection it's a mirror and when we look in it we see who we are and who we are is that we're clothed with garments of salvation and robes of righteousness you are the righteousness of God that means you're right before God now you think about that if you're clothed with salvation what does your salvation mean to you you are delivered from every evil Every plan of the devil to bring you down, you are delivered from it. It's our choice where we clothe ourselves in that or we clothe ourselves in defeat and failure. We are set free from every sin. But what are we clothing ourselves in? Do we clothe ourselves and we're victorious, that we're overcomers, we're blessed as we come in and blessed as we go out, that we have the mind of Christ, that we, you know, are successful? Or do we clothe ourselves with, it, with what the enemy says about us? Who do we believe? And it's like God was saying, we're walking around in the tomb. We might be have got up, you know, oh, I'm saved. Thank you, Jesus. But we're walking around in that stinky old tomb with the stinky old grey clothes on when he says, I've given you garments of salvation. Why are you wearing these things? You know, we need, 
You have to take a hand sometimes and slap it up the side of her head and say, wake up, come out, come out. You know, because there's a reason why he's clothed us with garments of salvation. He says he's calling us forth to spring forth instead of hanging around at our past and our failures. He's calling us forth to come up and out and spring into action. So as to reveal God's goodness, his power and his righteousness before the nations. The church is asleep. (laughs) Yeah, we're sleeping. We need to spring forth and get up. You know, Matthew 28, Jesus actually said, this is what I've called you to. You're clothed in something for a reason. Matthew 28 says, and Jesus came and spoke to them and said, all authority I have given you in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make what? Disciples of all the what? Just your street? Nations. Baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to observe all things that I've commanded you. Teaching them to observe. Does that mean back off hard conversations? Does that mean we're ashamed of the gospel? Does that mean we're ashamed of this word? Or does it mean we teach others to observe what Jesus says? And lo, I am with you even to the very end of the age. Amen. That's what Jesus said. Amen, which means so be it. He expected that when we come to him and he calls us forth out of death, out of defeat, out of sickness, out of lack, out of pain, out of disappointments, out of genetic rubbish that our forefathers might have set in place. He calls us forth out of that, that he expects that we will step up and step out. And that come Monday morning, we will not go and put our old grave clothes back on again. You've got to burn those things. You've got to have a bonfire, have a funeral and kill that stuff off. Burn it. And stop letting your past and people around you remind you of it. You've burnt that stuff. You know, they used to set it on fire some places. You know, we need to set things on fire when they keep on trying to bring up, just say, I'm going to take that stuff off. It is not part of who I am. I am a new creation in Christ. I'm going to take this stuff off and burn those suckers. Because then it's ash and it can't come back. Yeah? It doesn't come back. You know, the world is very wound up, and especially now, we, I mean, I don't watch it, but my people I know watch it. You know, they're very caught up in death, zombies, the living dead. Why do you think that is? Because that's the devil reminding people all the time of death and destruction and scary stuff and yuck. And he tries to scare us with the power of what is dead. Come on. He tries to scare people by visually putting this stuff out of scare them about death. And Jesus says, I have overcome death. I have overcome it. Death has lost its sting. And the enemy just sends all the stuff in people's televisions, at the movies. Up we come. It's dead. Dead is dead, and he tries to make us afraid of death. He tries to make us afraid of the past because he is, he's just throwing smoke screens. And you know what? We take it. We receive that. We know we talk about zombies and mummies, and we're afraid of it, aren't we? Or we watch it to give ourselves a scare. Do you know? Or we get the adrenaline running. You know, all my nephews watch that stuff, and it's like they're, tap, they're messing around with death. And death is no part of life. 
And Jesus said, I have come to give you full and abundant life. The enemy has come to kill, destroy and rob from you. So he's peddling death and Jesus peddles life. He is life. But we keep on messing around with death and the things of death and lack and sickness and we focus in on those things and so that's what we become. You, be- you become what you behold. And Jesus is saying, stop messing around in the tomb. Stop messing around with death and come out of it. Come out of that stuff and get over here and be who I have called you to be and who I say you are, that I have clothed you with garments of salvation. Your salvation is a mighty powerful thing. It will shift things. It will break things. It will set things in motion that we, have, we haven't even scratched the surface of what is possible. There is amazing, astounding things happening all around the world and we're sitting there asleep. We need to wake up and get off our butts and come forth and go into all the world and preach the gospel and go and say, this death is something not to be afraid of. People are afraid of death. Now, we were at a funeral yesterday and there were Christians and I tell you what, it was the most morbid gathering I've been in for a while, except for Philip. Everybody loves Philip when it was passed. And, and so they're all coming up and saying how fantastic it was. So he was quite happy at the funeral. But the rest of it, we were like, oh, my goodness. It was not cool because death has lost its sting and they forgot. They forgot. There was no celebration. There was no, yes, she's gone on to glory. There was no look at the life and the legacy she's left. It was all about death instead of life. Now, that's the world speaking, and we cannot be like that. We've got to shake off those grave clothes, run full power. Look, if you're hanging around the cemetery, who hangs around the cemetery? But you camp out there and spend a lot of time there. Why? Because they're not there. They're in heaven. Yeah? And so we don't camp out in the cemetery we don't do that. Philip's laughing because when we were in Wales, <laughs> we couldn't find a picnic spot, so we camped. So we picnicked in the cemetery. But, you know, it was, it was St. David's, so it's a kind of a specky place to be. But, <laughs> but usually we don't camp out at the cemetery, do we? Yeah? And we don't sit in the tombs. You know, we might go for a visit and you think, oh, that's creepy. You know, it's like you don't, you don't camp out there. And yet so often that's what we're doing in our everyday lives. We hang around our tomb. We, we walk around with these stinky grave clothes on when Jesus has said, I have taken that from you. Put on my garment of salvation. Put on who you are. Clothe yourself in who I say you are until it so becomes a part of you that you feel naked if you haven't got it on. Because that is who you are that you are prosperous, that you are healed, that you are set free, that you're a success, that you are at peace, that you have joy. That is the garment of salvation and the robe of righteousness God wants us to wear. And it's about time we stopped hanging around in the tomb with our grave clothes on and get rid of that stuff and burn them. Just burn them. Have a bonfire and get rid of them. And anything that keeps on dragging you back, you say, I'm just, I just shed myself of that, that comes off. Get off of me, you know. And if somebody, you start to talk rubbish or nonsense, have somebody who can say, stop that. That's not who you are. That's not who you are. Because the more we dabble with death, that is what we'll focus on. 
You know, you, you know people as they get older, if, if they have nothing else to look forward to, they just end up dying. You know, the amount of people that um, when they retire and they don't have, if they haven't got something to look forward to, they don't live very long because you know what they're focused on? Dying. I mean, I've, I know people, they plan their funeral years and years and years ahead because they don't have anything to look forward to anymore. That is not what God wants us to do. You know, he has life for us. Well, you've got a heartbeat, you've got something for God, that God wants you to do. Yeah? So stop camping out with death and get over to life and get out and, and share what Jesus has given us to do. Now, I'm going to do... Have I got time? All right, I need four volunteers. We're going to do this real quick. Four volunteers. Quick, quick, up to your feet. Come on, out of your tomb. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> Come on. Come forth. Good. In the middle, line up. Now, these people in front, because this is us practicing coming out of our tomb and knowing who we are in God. All right? That who we are in God is that you hear God's voice, that you know him, that you are saved, that you're clothed with righteousness, that you hear from God and you can see. All right? That's who you and you and you and you are. All right? So what I want you to do, now you don't know who's standing behind you, but this is practicing going into all the world and doing the stuff that Jesus asked us to do. As I want you, person in front, to ask God for a word of encouragement for the person behind you. Now you don't even know if they're male or female. So you can't, the reason I've done it this way is so you can't just go, oh well, you know. I want you to hear from God. Now, this is us coming forth because we can hide very easily. We can just sit on a little thing and let somebody else do it and it's about time we got off our butts and did it ourselves because there's a big wide world out there who needs to hear from God and you guys can. So, I want you, and we're going to do this one at a time, so just wait and say, Lord, just give me a word of encouragement for the person behind me. Yep, and it's like... That's what God wants. That's what coming forth means. It means coming out of the old way of doing things and just tapping into life on him because he just wants to speak. And if you do that out with your friends and your workplace, with your family, God just wants to speak and he'll speak to all of us. You see, they didn't know who was behind them, but we all knew. And it was, some of it was just straight bang. And that's what God wants to do. And it's not, was it hard? No. Because God wants to talk and it says that we're his sheep and we hear his voice. So practice, practice doing that. We're going to do it some more because I just feel like God wants to call us forth. We're here for an appointed and reason and this time and God wants to use us. And as we start to build that in the spirit where that's just commonplace for us, it will flow over. And you will start to see your friends getting saved. You'll start to see your families changing. You'll start to hear from God more and have a confidence that you're not walking in the old ways anymore because you're confident of who you are and that God speaks to you. And that's powerful because it changes your world when you know God's talking, you know, it, it, right down to finding a parking spot to, you know, having a massive word for somebody that changes their life, yeah? So let's, let's just come out, come up. And let the righteousness of God spring forth in our life this week. Amen? All right, let's pray. Lord, I just thank you. I thank you that you love us so much. Holy Spirit, I thank you that you're with us, that you abide within us. 
Lord, and that you speak. And I pray this week that you would continue to speak to us, that you give us fresh revelation, that you'd open our ears and our eyes, Lord, and that we would hear and see you, Lord, more. And that we would just continue to build things in the spirit realm and that they would just flow forth from this place, that we would see change in this city. Lord, that this would be the happiest place on earth to be, Lord. And I just declare that, that instead of brokenness and lost people, Lord, there would be the happiest people on earth in this city. And we pray that you would use us, Lord, to do that. We pray in Jesus' precious name. And we all said, Amen.